Hello and welcome back to another week of Before the Green and After the Checkers. Unfortunately, Donnie is still not able to be with us, but Marilee and I are both here, and we've got another week of NASCAR Cup Series racing in the books, and we're excited to share our thoughts on the racing in Talladega. Kyle Busch becoming the third driver this season to get a second win, Bubba throwing late blocks until he ends up getting turned, and we'll even get into Corey's question of the week, which of course we're all looking forward to. Let's roll. Not a whole lot. I have a question for you. Okay. Have you ever been invited to hang out with some people and then only one shows up and you feel like you've been tricked? Uh, <laughs> no, but I was somewhat cool in high school. Evan, I, I'm your sister. I know you gave people chocolate bars and juice bags to hang out with you. Mini sips, mini sips. Oh, that was at youth camp. To hang not, out with not, you. <laughs> that was at youth camp, though, not in high school. High school, I was cool. Um, and you wouldn't, no. you can't even say anything different because you were only there for when I was in grade nine. After that, you were graduating and gone. Grade 10, 11, and 12, I was probably the cool kid. I, I, I don't think so. But anyway, I just wanted to say that I miss Donnie. I don't know how you turned this around to be all about you, but Donnie, I miss you. I'm really looking forward to having you back next week. Yeah, she just wants someone to take her side on things. And Donnie's nicer than I am. Mm, Donnie's smarter than you. <laughs> Oof. I can't. Anyway, I don't want to be too mean to the guy who can't be here this week. Um, due to circumstances or outside lie. of his control. For, <laughs> well, you know. Of course. But uh, nonetheless, circumstances outside Donnie's control this week, unfortunately, and, uh, and, and wasn't able to be back. Um... But we did hold out hoping that that would that that would happen. So we are sorry that it's a little late this week getting out. But we're excited to bring you what I believe is going to be a great episode. We've got some interesting topics to talk about, um, or at least topics for Marley to ask me about and give you one sided opinion on. So I mean, there's that, which he secretly likes because he always thinks he's right. Right? <laughs> I am usually right, but sometimes it um, sometimes you have to twist what I say a little bit to make it fit because it's not, it's not naturally right. Well, I'm not going to anyway. Yeah, no, we should, we should actually just, (laughs) we should jump into the actual NASCAR conversation here a little bit, because I think that's my only opportunity to maybe not sound like a complete buffoon. Well, it's also the only opportunity where you definitely have more knowledge than I do on a topic. Maybe not the only opportunity, mm. but very much so compared to the regular. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got other topics, I think. We got World War yeah, II. Yeah. I was not a history buff. That was That is absolutely true. Heck, I do you, enjoy it more you, now, but... You were hardly a history passer. <laughs> okay, that's a little bit. True. A little bit too much information. It wasn't <laughs> ability to learn information that kept me from... 
good grades in history class. <laughs> well, let's see what you learned about NASCAR last week. We've talked a lot about the cars, and I mean a lot, on last week's episode, and how there was not a lot of differentiation between them. Therefore, less movement on the track. So according to you, Talladega appeared to be an improvement over Daytona earlier this season. What are your thoughts on the quality of racing, and do you think the racing is going in the right direction with the Super Speedway package? Uh, yeah, um... To, to be honest, I don't think there was any major changes that were made uh, between Daytona and now. Um, there's really one important factor here is the track is actually wider at Talladega, and so that gives a lot of a lot of opportunity to run uh, three lanes or two lane multiple lanes. Let's go with multiple lanes. It gives a lot of opportunity to run multiple lanes without constantly being side drafting and, and whatnot. And when you're side drafting like that all the time what it does is it slows down both lanes so Talladega was a improvement but we still weren't able to see um, much racing when a third line materialized because it really seemed to just suck all of the momentum out of the middle line um, and then the bottom line prevailed either way so there still wasn't a whole lot of movement between lanes and track position was still super critical um, there was times where that third line was able to get momentum on the top side and the race was primary, but yeah, the race was really too wide throughout, um, with the bottom lane being fairly predominant. Um, I think there's definitely ways to improve the racing that NASCAR has to look at. Um, and I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's something that's going to be easy to change with this specific car to make it better or, um, if it's, you know, we kind of got what we got until the next generation of car comes out, which will probably be, you know, a decade or more away. The, the positive news is we don't run super speedways a lot. Um, but the downside is that for new fans, super speedway racing is kind of really exciting. You know, it's, um, there's a lot of on track action in theory. Um, there's, usually very big collisions uh, and things like that. So there is an importance on super speedway racing simply from a, we want to get new fans into the sport kind of perspective. Um, but if you look at it in the course of the whole season, it's not necessarily that big of a deal um, for, for that one type of track to be a little lacking. Whereas with previous years, what we've seen is the one and a half mile tracks really be quite boring um, and since they're the bread and butter of the sport where we run the majority of our races, it's really important to keep them as good quality racing. Whereas, you know, with super speedways, because there's only four or six, if you include the new Atlanta, you know, it, it changes the perspective a little bit, but I do think we have a long ways to go before I would say we're going in the right direction right now. I would say we're holding steady and one track race is a little better than the other. CIC. Um, would you say that, I mean, this is, this is a merely question, yeah. not a planned question, but do you think like, if you look at this race at Talladega and the prior car time frame, so I, I know that wasn't last year, but like a few years ago, yeah. would you say that, um, like definitely would have been a lot more three lanes wide kind of thing while they're racing before? Um, the, like, do you notice a huge shift downwards, I guess, in that? I do, but it really goes back to 
like the early 2000s until now. So all the way through from when I first started watching until really until the 2010s, um, there was a lot of movement throughout and you could see drivers come and go and move high, move low, work around throughout the field. Then for whatever reason, um, and I distinctly remember Chevrolet having what they called the Corvette meeting where they met with all the drivers that drove Chevrolet cars um, and said, basically, we're going to all work together, whether you're teammates or not, you all drive for Chevrolet. And today we are going to make sure that we do everything we can to get a Chevrolet into victory lane. And so what happened is all the Chevrolets started working together and they started pitting together. They started, um, you know, using strategy to basically get in line with each other and then kind of go from there. Well, of course, that forces the other manufacturers to do the same. And I think that's where we've kind of seen the downfall of super speedway racing is simply that everyone rides around with their manufacturers, um, tries to get in line, and then they all pit together. And then wherever they pan out, they pan out. There isn't really much more you can do after that. So I really think that manufacturers getting involved in the strategy side of it is kind of what killed super speedway racing in many ways. I think that there's a way back from that. But with so much money tied up in it from the manufacturers, which by all means we want to see, then I think it's going to be a hard road before you really get to a place where people are kind of running independent of, of team orders and manufacturer orders and things like that. And I think that's what you got to do uh, in order to change it is get rid of those. And I don't know that there's a way to effectively do that, to be honest. Right on, makes sense. Well, I heard Kyle Busch won this week, and I also heard that it looked like Bubba Wallace and Ryan Blaney were likely to get their first wins on the season after taking the white flag. I mean, Blaney was probably held back by being Don's pick. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> How much momentum do you feel that the number eight team and RCR as a whole will gain from a win like this? Or is it a situation where wins resulting from lucky circumstances don't necessarily result in as much positive movement yeah um i don't know i think i think with the eight team kyle kind of said it best had they not already won and steve bowie and i uh, you'll see steve comment on our facebook quite a bit from time to time and uh he and i are co-workers good friends and he and i were talking about this and he pointed out he said you know kyle said that he had been called in for a pit stop or whatever and didn't go in. And he said, because we already have that win in the bank, it really makes no sense. And I think that's right. So I think any momentum that they have is really stemming from that first victory that they got earlier in the year. Uh, I believe it was in Fontana. Uh, and it stems from that in the fact that it takes all of that pressure off of them. So now they can just go for points. They don't have to worry about, or sorry, playoff points to be clear. They don't have to worry about, you know, running well this week, but not, not putting yourself in bad positions. You can you can risk it all now because you've already got that win in the bag. So if you're not sure you're going to make it on fuel, well, you might as well stay out and hope you get the playoff points and uh, and hope that works out for you. And I think that in and of itself builds momentum, that, that kind of feeling that, hey, you know, we can take risks and we can do what we need to do to get more and more success here. Uh, and that's what builds momentum because as you try things that are maybe a little out of the box, you find some things that work. And as you find things that work and start stacking them together, all of a sudden 
you've got positive momentum rolling forward. You're building, um, same as anything else. Once you get that foundation and you start building on top of it, it doesn't take long for that to really grow. And I think that's what we're seeing from the A-team. I don't think it's necessarily going to be a result from this weekend. I think it's a result from that second uh, race in the season where he put the win together right out of the gate for RCR. And let's be honest, we're, I think, uh, 11 races in now, and Kyle Busch has two wins on the season with a new team, new crew chief. I think that's really impressive. I think the momentum is kind of just there at this point. I don't think there's any arguing that that they've got some really positive momentum on their side, um, and I think it all goes back to that first win. Well, that's interesting, but I'm a little bit offended by something you said there. Go ahead. What did I say there? Well, you said that Steve Boyu was your coworker and your friend, and like I have worked with him on graphics, so like I also know Steve. Well, I mean, not to uh, not to throw dirty laundry out here, but I think I was the connection there to get you into a place where you got mixed up. Probably, but I'm just saying it's not like we both don't know Steve. Like I'm Steve's friend too. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wasn't claiming <laughs> exclusive offended. rights. I mean, Steve has lots of friends. I have lots of friends, you know. I don't have a whole lot to say about NASCAR, so I'm really focusing on the other stuff. The <laughs> the external factors? Yeah, the extras. I know, mm. Steve, don't leave me out of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, <laughs> let's get back to NASCAR. So poor old Bubba and Blaney. Um, let's take a little deeper look at what happened for them this week. So we know they didn't win, obviously, even though they were close. Um, so Bubba takes the white flag in the lead and then wrecks and takes out multiple front runners in the meantime. A little, if I'm going down, I'm taking you all with me action, perhaps. Um, the wreck resulted from the number 23 throwing multiple late blocks on the number 12 of Ryan Blaney before contact sent Bubba Wallace spinning down the track into traffic. What, if anything, could have either driver have done to change the outcome in the course of events? And perhaps more importantly, should they have done it differently? Yeah, there's not really much you can do in a in a in a sense simply because that tends to be the way that super speedway races end. You know, um, it's very rare that we see the guy who's leading at the white flag win the race um, by staying in front of the other driver. Typically, what happens if he wins the race is that we see there's a caution further back in the field. So. Really, there's nothing too much different that they could have done. Bubba has to block there. Um, Blaney has to try and get by. There's really not much more they can do. The only option that you really have is to hope that the other guy messes up. And in this case, Bubba messed up. Um, the unfortunate reality is for Blaney, when Bubba messed up, he let out of it and he was behind Kyle when the checkered flag, or actually the yellow flag, flew, which sets the results. And... The only thing Bubba really could have done is not let out or or not lose momentum, and I don't really know that that was even an option, you know, because you you'd also don't want to wreck yourself and be, you know, instead of finishing second, finish wherever he would have down through the list, right down in the 20s or whatever. So each driver was kind of doing what they had to do. The only driver who really had much say in the matter as to whether or not they wrecked um, was Blaney. Uh, Bubba was going to do everything he could to make that pass, so or to make that block, I should say. So Blaney either had to, you know, suck it up and push 
Bubba until later in the race and try again later, or he had to just do what he should do and do everything he could to push him as far as he could, as fast as he could, or whatever. DIC. Um, I kind of want to touch on something because you and I have talked about this, how, you know, NASCAR needs to attract more viewers. Um, and that's kind of why we've introduced Corey's question, but why don't you give us a quick little, maybe you could keep it under two minutes as to why a race would finish on yellow and not a checkered flag. Yeah, fair enough. So, uh, I want to say it was probably, and it was early 2000s, let's put it that way. Um, we were seeing a fair amount of races end under caution because of late race um, incidents, right? So basically uh, the race would only go the advertised distance no matter what, uh, except for in the event of a rain-shortened race or something like that. It may go shorter, but they didn't exceed that, that advertised length. So the Daytona 500 went 500 miles, that was it. And so what ended up happening is there was quite a bit of outcry um, from the fans, and they said, listen, we want to see the drivers race to the finish. And so they came out with this overtime rule, and for a long time it was, you know, we had certain lines on the track that you had to get to um, before the yellow flag flew in order for the overtime to be considered accurate or complete. Uh, and if the yellow flag came out before that, then the field would reset and do it again. Um, there's been times where there was limits on overtimes. There's been times where it's been unlimited like it is right now. And so the whole purpose of that is really just to make sure that the fans are getting the good finish that they're looking for. Um, in many ways, it leads to additional carnage. Um, Dale Walter kind of said it best. All throughout the uh, all throughout his broadcasting career, cautions breed cautions, and what that means is when you bunch all the cars back up, everyone's closer. A little mistake has a bigger impact than it does when you're by yourself. So, if cautions breed cautions, well, once you add late race desperation or you know extra motivation or whatever you want to call it into the mix, cautions breed even more cautions, and so. I don't necessarily love the idea of NASCAR overtime in the sense that, you know, a lot of times it takes out drivers who should have had a better day simply because we want it to have a better result. Uh, but at the same point, I get it. I want to see racing under green. I don't want to see a guy win on a fluke. You know, there's been many times where I've seen the guy with the fastest car not win the race because of pit strategy and things like that. And I want to see all of that storyline play out. I don't want a guy to have a... Um, a massive lead taken away from him because of a caution. But likewise, I don't want to have uh, a guy that was running first place down lose the race because a caution came out in that end of the race either. So it's one of those pros and cons type of situations, as is everything. Uh, but that's, that's why, uh, because the fans back in the early 2000s didn't want the races to end under yellow. And that's 100% when NASCAR made the call. And it had been that way from the late 40s when NASCAR first started, clean on up through. If the caution flew, the caution flew. The race ends at the advertised distance. And when they changed that, uh, there's been a lot of races go over time. And um, I think that's probably going to get consistently more often um, with the current car and the current mindset of the drivers. Um, because of the way NASCAR has it now, the win and get in, you just you got to go for it. So I think that will only get more and more frequent. 
Well, thank you for explaining that and sharing your opinion. <laughs> always. <laughs> always, always, always. In four minutes. But anyway, so yeah. let's move on to our winners and losers segment. What do you got for a winner this week, Ev? Uh, yeah, and forgive me. I probably should have done a little more homework on this one. Uh, but for me, my winner of the week is um, Roush Fenway Keselowski. Uh, put both drivers in the top five. Uh, admittedly, there was a few cars ahead of them that lost position there on the last green flag run um, and through the cautions and whatnot. But... You know, they did what they had to do to be there at the end and put the two cars in the top five, and I think that really uh, that really is a testament to how far they've come over the past year. They've been running well everywhere uh, in comparison to where they were this time last season, so uh, great job for them, and I think this is just kind of a culmination of all that working out together. So RFK, that was mentioned in comments this week, was it not? That's actually somebody mentioned that. Uh, perhaps so. Um, I feel like, because when you said only, the only reason I'm saying that, I don't remember a whole lot, but you said Roush, Fenwick, Keslowski, right? Yep. Which, like, RFK, I'm like, I feel like I saw those initials because I didn't know what they meant when I saw it in the comments. Oh. Anyway, we can move on. I just, I'm putting to it, I'm going to know so much by the end of this podcast, I'm going to start my own podcast about NASCAR. <laughs> well, I mean, um, competition, they say, is, is healthy, right? <laughs> yeah, you won't be saying that when mine's awesome. No, okay. What's your loser of the week, Evan? <laughs> um, well, after that comment, I might put you in the list. But my okay. uh, my loser for the week is actually uh, Ty Gibbs and the 54 team. Um, I feel like this is back-to-back weeks. I've, I've listed him, but they um, ran out of gas coming to the green flag for overtime. Um, and it would have been one thing to run out of gas during overtime, uh, but coming to the green flag, that's that's uh, that's extremely unfortunate. Um, I'm all for taking a gamble, but you have to finish the race in order to, um, well, in order to win, you have to finish. Let's put it that way. And basically, they made a guarantee that they weren't going to finish. I think they probably knew they weren't going to. They might not have known exactly how close they were, but I think they knew uh, that it wasn't going to work out. I'm okay if you think you've got a lap to the good when you're going for a green-white checker where you got two laps and you know very well that there's a good chance there's going to be a yellow come out and you can maybe run out of fuel on the way back kind of thing, whatever, taking a gamble. But um, I think that was, a, that was a bad look, knowing that it had been yellow moments before and they didn't have enough fuel in the car to finish the race. Yeah, I'm, I know I'm lacking in knowledge, but fuel in the car seems pretty important in a race <laughs> it does and um you know someone like kyle bush like he ran out of fuel doing his burnout right he was obviously right on the limit but he had a win in the tank he already had a win back in february <laughs> a win in the tank yeah um <laughs> i caught the pun i didn't mean it but i did catch it <laughs> uh, but he had that win in the bank already so he didn't have to worry about fuel if he ran out he ran out but he might as well take the risk and the risk paid off for him i don't think um, the fact that he ran out doing his burnout tells me that he probably would not have completed um, that race under green with that much fuel because he would have obviously used a lot more coming around the track. Uh, so it tells me that that gamble probably wouldn't have paid off had the caution not come out, but he was in a position where he could gamble and he did. Makes sense. Have I ever told you, I mean, completely off topic, about the time I was at Burger King 
and the woman in front of me ran out of gas sitting at the window picking up her food. No, really? <laughs> yes. And so I'm behind them and they're like, she's at the window picking up her food and I'm right directly behind her. And all of a sudden all these like male Burger King workers come out of somewhere and they're like, oh, just one second. They had asked me to back up. And I was like, okay. And they all come out and like push her out of the way. And I, so I go up to the window because like the I didn't move and like the woman's like, no, no, come on up. And so I'm like, is everything okay? And she's like, oh, yeah, she just ran out of gas, like at the window. <laughs> anyway, this poor dear old lady. So I stopped and took her to get gas. Um, but I was like, I don't know. That would be like, I'm just really thankful it wasn't me. That would be like the most... One of the most embarrassing places to run out of fuel, I think. I, like, I can't go without my dill pickle nuggies. Like, I got to get them and then I can, <laughs> and then I'll get gas. <laughs> I will say, though, you know, you talk about ways where I may or may not be smarter than you. But at least I know that the male Burger King employees probably came out of Burger King. No, <laughs> but that's not what I was saying. I was just like, where are all these? Like, usually it's like one girl working at the window kind of thing. And. All of a sudden, there's all these men coming outside. Like, here's your order. <laughs> but they were coming to push her. She said her daughter had borrowed her car or something, and, like, she just didn't check the gas. But mm. I felt pretty bad for her. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. What about you? Do you have a loser this week? Um, Actually, I did technically, because Donnie's not here, write down something. But my winners and losers have, again, not a whole lot to do with NASCAR. So um, I think the win... For this week is i've just been really enjoying um all the interaction on our social media posts this past week mm. i feel like you guys out there are paying attention to us and listening which is nice <laughs> to know we're not doing this in vain and also commenting which is great so that's been nice and honestly when it comes to the loser sometimes i think i'm the loser here for being willing to do this without the knowledge but i'm having fun so <laughs> what else do you need really well and to be clear to you, I mean, we all did one episode with the three of us, and then uh, you ran Donnie off, apparently, and so now it's just a sibling podcast about NASCAR. <laughs> I was always really good at that with men. I run them off. It's fine. <laughs> Chase that one clean to your cousin, and he married her. <laughs> nah. Uh, all right. Yeah, let's move I on. Let's move on because, like, yeah. It goes nowhere positive from there. No, and, like, I'm saying this and, like, you know, I've been friends with Donnie basically half of my life, if not more now, really, by age. But anyway. (laughs) All right, let's move on to Corey's question of the week. All right, what do you got? In Corey's words, exactly, I believe. You've talked about NASCAR trying to attract more viewers, and as a sports guy, although not necessarily NASCAR, one thing I know is that everyone loves a champion who knows how to win and is a superstar. With Jimmy Johnson now retired, who is the next superstar for NASCAR? Or is there one already? I'm my best Corey voice. Well, <laughs> He's going to hate me. <laughs> well, I know Corey very well, and that's not exactly a great representation. No. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of running people off, we're not going to have a Corey question ever again. <laughs> <laughs> no, that'll be the end of that. Um, but this is actually a good question, and I, I know Donnie and I talked about it, and I think Donnie was kind of excited to talk about this topic specifically. Um, and one of the reasons being is Donnie was always the Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson fan. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, between the two of us, he was the Jimmy fan. I knew fan. that. Yeah. Um, so um, 
he would probably consider Jimmy to be the bigger superstar than I do. Um, Jimmy was extremely successful in NASCAR, but his, from a superstar perspective, when you talk about superstars, to me that talks more about their fame and you know how many people know them um, and whatnot. And I think during Jimmy Johnson's era, there's no arguing that Dale Earnhardt Jr. was the superstar of the sport at that time. Now, if you want to talk about the most successful driver of the sport, Jimmy Johnson is hands down that guy for the previous little while. So you got to kind of look at it from two perspectives. Um, I don't think that there will ever probably be someone in NASCAR specifically who is as big of a superstar as Dale Earnhardt Jr. was uh, from a popularity standpoint. It just doesn't happen naturally for one. Um, the popularity of NASCAR has dropped considerably since the early 2000s. Um, even, sorry, early and mid-2000s. Uh, the 2010s and on have seen a decrease in popularity of the sport. And with that, of course, decreases the popularity of the drivers. Um, in addition to that, you know, the, the death of, of Dale Earnhardt Sr., definitely played a role in how quickly um, Junior became as popular as he was um, and how long that stood, right? So from a popularity standpoint, I don't know if there will ever be anyone that will match Dale Earnhardt Jr., Um, but there are definitely always going to be guys that are that super popular guy. So right now we've got guys like Chase Elliott. I don't think there's anybody in the sport right now that's as popular or definitely not more popular than Chase Elliott. Uh, But you got a couple of close contenders in guys like young guys like Kyle Larson, um, Ryan Blaney. Uh, They're all really young guys that have a lot of popularity. Then you look at someone like a Bubba Wallace who has a lot of name recognition. Uh, He has a lot of popularity amongst crowds that aren't white male. Um, you know, naturally, anyone that is a minority um, tends to be attracted to those that look like them and talk like them and act like them. And so Bubba Wallace appeals to them. So does a guy like Daniel Suarez, right? Uh, so there's... Well, representation's important. It is, 100%. And it's good to see that we're getting some of that in NASCAR. You know, we had Danica Patrick for a few years, um, and she obviously didn't resonate on a success level, but she did resonate that, you know, you could make it to NASCAR as a female, And likewise, you know, we haven't had a black driver in the Cup Series in decades until Bubba Wallace, as far as a full-time driver, there may have been someone in there that I don't recollect that was a part-time driver or something like that. But we haven't had a full-time driver uh, who was black since, uh, I believe, Wendell Scott in the 70s. So that's really good. As far as someone who's going to be as successful as Jimmy Johnson, I don't think that we ever see that... um, Probably again. And the reason I say that is with each generation, the level of of talent gets much tighter, right? So the first generation of people that race stock cars, they were learning everything on their own, right? And then the next generation, well, they learned quite a bit from the generation before them, and that continued. We're literally at the most talented, most knowledgeable group of drivers that we've ever had simply because they didn't have to develop and learn everything on their own. So much of that was already discovered by others before them and passed down. Likewise, in the earlier days of NASCAR, there was not as much parody. Um, You know, there was literally people bringing their family car to the racetrack and running it. That's why it's called stock car racing, because 
back in the original days, it was literally nearly stock cars. They would have sometimes roll cages and things like that in them, but as safety advancements and performance advancements, manufacturer money, all of that stuff came in, all of those people wanted safer, more, um, more uh, similar cars in the sense that, you know, Ford didn't want to be getting run out by Dodge every week. They wanted to have a lot more parity. And so as that, um, as that talent window and as that performance window continues to narrow, I think it's going to be significantly harder with each passing year, um, at least in the current trajectory, to ever go back-to-back, let alone to win five in a row uh, when it comes to championships uh, or seven, period, you know. It was just an unbelievable um, level of of success that I don't think we're going to see probably ever again, especially, you know, it would be one thing to win seven championships over a very long career, but to win five back-to-back is just a, a level that nobody else has ever attained in the sport, and I don't think anybody ever will again. Before that, the best had ever had been three in a row, I believe. Um, and uh, I just don't think we'll ever see it again. I mean, that makes sense. Not only are you saying that the drivers are getting closer in like their skill level, but as like last week's question brought that like the cars are also getting more similar. So there's, it's pretty hard to stand out period. Whereas like Corey, I mean, I know this is like a huge basketball fan and like somebody like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, and I'm just like throwing out random names, but their own actual skill level like natural abilities and then their like desire to work and become better and find the best for themselves can make them stand out as a superstar. Whereas like if NASCAR is the people are kind of like, it's a smaller pool and they're, they've got all the knowledge and everybody is kind of like on the same page. And then the gear they have is also all the same and it's a little bit harder to stand out. Right. When like it's not your ability to hit the gas pedal (laughs) that makes you faster, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100 percent. The other the other element that makes it hard, too, is um, more similar to other sports, which Corey would refer to as the team element. You know, right now, NASCAR is basically on the road for 38 seasons of the year. If you add in the all star race and the dash um, or sorry, the clash at the beginning of the season. Cup Series on the road for 38 years. So you're not seeing... 38 weeks. <laughs> yes, sorry, 38 weeks. <laughs> so... For me, it feels like 38 years, but anyway. <laughs> you're not even home half the time when I'm watching. But uh, nonetheless, 38 weeks of the season, we've seen a lot of you know crew chiefs and, and team members retiring a little bit younger than they used to. And so I think the other element is I don't think you're going to see driver and crew chief pairings um, have as much success as uh, as Chad and Jimmy had anyway, simply not only because it's pretty hard to get that much chemistry and have two people that are that um, amazingly competitive as, as a unit um, and, and keep them together for multiple years at a time. 38 weeks of the year, I mean, you only got 14 weeks where you're not on the road traveling and people do still want to have a life want to have family, kids, and whatnot. And uh, I don't think there's anything that that really points to me right now and goes, okay, I think I can start to see how that level of success could happen again. 
Right. That makes sense. And I like even when you mentioned like the team aspect, well, like iron sharpens iron and you've got I don't know how many guys on a team like constantly practicing and bettering each other and not saying that like there's not a team aspect to NASCAR, but it's like a team is in like this is. I don't know how to explain it, how, what's happening in my head. But like like you said, like the pairing of the two of them together, like they were working to make themselves better, but like in two very different aspects of the sport, I guess. Yeah. So like, like was his name Chad? Is that what you said? Yeah, Chad Knauss. Yeah, it was his yeah. crew chief. Yeah. So like, so like Chad is working to be the best crew chief and Jimmy's working to be the best driver. Whereas like you've got a team on a basketball court who I do know do have different positions, but it's, that's kind of like the coach and like the best player where there's like how many other teammates constantly pushing you in a different way, in a different element, right? Yeah, 100%. And working together. Yeah. It, you know, anyway. They're not even on the field at the same time together in, in the sense that, you know, Chad's, Chad's job really covered pit road and what they did to the car. So as soon as the car went on the track, there was really nothing he could do that affected it until it came back into his playing field, which was pit road or the garage or what have you. Uh, so as much as they're a team, there are different elements to that, whereas at least with basketball, hockey, whatever, you're on the same ice, you're on the same field, you're on the same court at all times. And so everything is very much different in that regard. Exactly. And I'm not saying that, like, Chad's job or Jimmy's job is more important at all. Just to be clear, um, I, all I'm really saying is I understand basketball more. But that's probably because I played for that one year. <laughs> I remember that. Hey, at least you at least you made the team. I tried out, played one game, and they cut me. I did. I, I made the team. And I believe it was most dedicated player <laughs> was the award I received. <laughs> because Marilee shows up. If nothing else, she shows up. Well, and I... Hence, I feel like that's because you knew if you didn't, they were going to cut you. No, no. I just want to say, hence being on the NASCAR podcast, I show up. If nothing else, I am here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's all I'm good for. All right, let's move on, unless you have something more to say about that topic. but Not uh, about that topic, but I do think before we get into predictions, I do want to address one thing. Obviously, I think everyone knows. If you don't, um, then you're probably a newer listener, but I'm obviously a big Alex Bowman fan, and um, we did find out just the other night that he's going to be out for three to four weeks uh, due to a fractured vertebrae in an accident suffered outside of NASCAR in a a different racing series. So um, that is an important development for the season. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how that transpires, and obviously I am slightly devastated I uh, was going to definitely pick him at some point or another for my driver this week. Um, but um, that is what it is. And uh, I'm looking forward to having him back almost as much as I'm looking forward to having Donnie back with us. But um, but I'm looking forward to having him back in that 48. In the meantime, it looks like Josh Berry is going to fill in. And he did a great job with Chase Elliott's team. So I have no doubt that uh, he's going to do a great job uh, here with the 48 car as well. Well, it's I don't have to learn a new name, so that's good because I remember his from when he filled in with Chase Elliott. <laughs> um, <laughs> but also, I'm a little worried about, you know, it might change NASCAR, but I figured it would change our podcast. If you can't talk about Alex Bowman, I, like, it's a wonder you can talk about anything else, really. You're a big fan. <laughs> yeah, I've got a contact at his uh, at his doctor's office, so I'll keep us updated every week. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's kind of creepy. It's also not <laughs> true, but uh, yeah, no, I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, okay, I'm gonna move on. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, for a second I could hear myself, but it seems to have disappeared. All right, oh, okay. you can leave that in. That's fine. Let's go on to your picks. Well, let's. So Evan, every everyone that's listening right now is like, oh yeah, I get why hearing her would cause her to woe up. We hear the whole podcast and don't want to. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm bringing you listeners. <laughs> I will say the social media I, work has been very, very good. So I was really just talking about my mom. <laughs> and I know she's your mom too, but I'm pretty sure she's listening because of me. Well, now that you've hurt my feelings, we should move on. <laughs> just kidding. And we all know your mama's boy. <laughs> oh, yes. All right. So... I also you probably don't want to move into this, but your lead is way down. Ev, you're at eleven to ten. Still got a lead. Winning. I know, but Donnie got both picks right and almost had the winner with Blaney. He did, um, but I will say, uh, in the famous words of Dominic Toretto, "Winning is winning. It doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile." Uh, so that's the mentality that I'm taking in this week. And uh, going to do what I can to extend that lead a little bit more. Hey, we both kind of just quoted quoted him because I was talking all about family. <laughs> and you're... <laughs> all right, so Donnie... Family. <laughs> family. All right, so last week, um, Donnie had Brad Keselowski... No, I have a hard time with his name. Brad Keselowski, who was fifth, and Ryan Blaney second. And you had Joey Logano, who ended in, oh, oh, 30th, was it? And Chase Elliott in 12th? At least when I pick Joey, he doesn't finish dead last. He just finishes poorly. 30's pretty, pretty low there on the list. Yeah, it is. All right. So, because Donnie won, you actually get to pick first this week. I do. What do you got for first, Steph? Um, actually, Donnie was quite upset when he heard this earlier this week because we were trying to get his picks in. I am taking his favorite driver, Martin Truex Jr. Didn't you go through a stage where you liked Martin Truex Jr. after uh, Jeff Gordon yep, for disappeared from the scene? Two seasons, uh, 2017 and 2018, I believe it was. No, 2016 and 2017. Then he won his championship, and I, I just, uh, yeah, I, uh, he sounds or acts very entitled now compared to what he did, or at least that's what I find. I, I know there's lots of Martin Truex fans and all the power to you. I get why you like him, but uh, it wore out for me fairly quick. Well, Donnie's first pick this week is Christopher Bell. I don't know why. Maybe you can <laughs> give us some information as to why. I'm just reading a name off a list. Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's a reason why um, we both have picked a Joe Gibbs driver. Joe Gibbs racing typically runs pretty well at, um, at Dover. Um, I know Martin Truex would have been his first pick. Um, Martin specifically has had great success at, at, uh, Dover. Uh, Christopher Bell, on the other hand, um, hasn't necessarily had as much success here, but he's just been on a hot streak ever since the end of last season. Uh, currently leading the points, having a great year, um, I don't necessarily think it's because he's typically that great at Dover. I think a lot of it has to do with he's just having a fantastic year and he's got that momentum that we talk about all the time as being so ever important. 
And so I think that's why uh, I think that's why Chris Rebell's probably Donnie's pick this week. We're just making total assumptions here, but we'll put words in his mouth. Hundred <laughs> percent. All right. It's probably just because it's probably just because he likes his hat. So. <laughs> I doubt it. Who's your second pick? <laughs> uh, my second pick for this week uh, is uh, probably one of my more random picks for the year, uh, but Christopher Busher. Uh, that 17 car has been showing a lot of speed. And um, I, I think with the momentum from last week and having some really good, strong finishes, I think that uh, we could really see Chris pull off a pull off a win. Maybe. We'll see. Or he could end in 12th, just like Chase Elliott last week. All right. So Donnie's second pick is Denny Hamlin. Again, want to shed any light? Yeah, um, a lot of that comes. <laughs> a lot of that comes back to uh, again. It's a Joe Gibbs car. Toyota and Joe Gibbs typically run quite well here. Uh, it's Don. Uh, sorry, Danny has been knocking on the door of uh, of some good speed and some good results here for the last little while. Uh, so I think the the game plan is. Um, is basically just to bank on that success coming. Uh, typically, Denny doesn't have any problem getting successful results, and I think that that'll probably continue on. All right. Well, a lot of people, um, well, nobody can see this because we're on audio, but we're sharing a document, and I am butchering the spelling of Busher. So I also did it <laughs> purposely the second time, but I can see Evan is fixing that for me. Because just so you guys know, I'm the one who butchered the spelling of Jimmy Johnson's name. If you saw the first post of Corey's question. Well, Although, to be fair, somebody sent it to me that way. <laughs> yeah, um, I copy and paste it. And uh, the name wasn't spelt right. But um, I meant to correct it before I sent it to you. But uh, I'm sorry. That's on me. No, that's okay. I just, Chris Busher will not be spelled wrong next week. I no. well, don't I mean, know how to spell it. I mean, Google's always your friend too, right? So, yeah, but you know, <laughs> takes time. And also, I never would have thought to Google Jimmy and it wasn't spelled J I M M Y. And to be fair, I was around or slash have known about NASCAR my whole life because of you. And I didn't realize that it was ever spelled wrong. So I obviously did not see it written out very much. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's fairly common. Same as most people call it. Hendrix Motorsports. Um, okay, which, that's just a d a dig at me. I know it's Hendrix. Actually, that's not a dig I, at you, at all. Um, well, you well you have done I'm it. Sorry, I have done that. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, people that are on like dedicated NASCAR groups should probably know it's Hendrick Motorsports, not Hendrix, and uh, drives me. No, no, I'm on. I'm on a dedicated NASCAR podcast. <laughs> Fair enough, but it, but I did know it was Hendrick. I just say it wrong. Yeah, it drives There's me. Difference. It drives me through the roof when people type it out with the S on it. Yeah, that's my father yeah. and me. Not spell. I know how to spell it, but I don't know how to pronounce it, kind of thing. <laughs> but alas, we'll stop there. We've mentioned my mother. We'll mention my father. I'm going to mention my best friend Jen, who also picked Blaney. So she got second this week, and I will let that go and let you do a little bit of a wrap-up. Fair enough. I will say, by all means, jump on our Facebook and on our Instagram and comment your picks when we post our picks. Um, and uh, let us know who you think is going to get it right between the two of us and who you have for picks as well. Uh, but basically, that's a wrap on this week's episode. 
But if we can ask a small favor before you go, we'd really love it if you'd share our podcast with your friends, family, enemies, whoever. Just uh, want to get our podcast out and our podcast heard. We've been really enjoying interacting with you guys. Uh, as much as we do this for our own enjoyment, we do love the dopamine hit that we get with every new listener that we see on our statistic page. And having your share, sorry, having you share our podcast with those you know helps us so much. Uh, we've also made our podcast available on Amazon Music and iHeartRadio to make sure that regardless of where you listen, we'll be there for you. So that's in addition to Spotify. Uh, Apple and Google as well as directly from the website at anchor.fm slash before the green. I want to just jump in here while you take a breath and say that people are going to get this podcast. They're going to listen to it. And at the end, they're going to be like, they shared that with me. Am I a friend or am I an enemy or am I a family member that I don't know about? <laughs> well, um, I don't know what to tell them because I don't know who exactly is listening, but uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you're a friend. So thank you for being here, and we look forward to having you back next week uh, when we talk about what all went down at Dover this week as we look forward to the next race on the schedule. Thanks so much once again for being here with us. We'll see you next time.